0: even get a chair and sit down and talk to you from the chair, I don't know, we'll see. But let's look at Mark chapter 8, and I'm going to stay on the subject of restoration. Remember, a healing is immediate, miracles are usually immediate, but a restoration is a process. Restoration is a process, many times a painful process, a drawn out process, but it's a process. And we in charismatic circles, we don't like process. We like microwave miracles. We like instant moves of God, instant healings. But you know, the fact of the matter is folks that more times than not, God is a restorer and what God does takes time. I don't like that. I wish everything was immediate, but it's just not. And so we're gonna look today at a miracle there was definitely a miracle of restoration, it even calls it a restoration at the end of the story, about a blind man who Jesus healed. Let's look at verse 22, Mark 8. Then he came to Bethsaida and they brought they brought a blind man to him. Unknown friends, people who cared brought a blind man to Jesus because he couldn't get to him on his own. And what did they do? Begged him They pleaded with him. They begged him to touch him. Now look what Jesus did. Pay close attention because Jesus didn't take one footstep without divine purpose all over it. So look at this. He took the blind man by the hand, led him out of the town, and when he had spit on his eyes, how would you handle that? If you came down for prayer and I just said I feel led. Pooh. I think that wouldn't go over real big. We might even be in a lawsuit. But look at this. He spit on his eyes and then put his hands on him. After this, he asked him if he saw anything. Now pay close attention. He looked up. This man who was 100% blind and said, well, I see men like trees walking. I see shadows. I see forms. I can make out that something's there, but I don't fully see yet. Everybody say process. Then he put his hands on his eyes again. Everybody say again. See, these people who say, you don't ever need to pray any more than once. Anything more than once is not faith. No, no, no. Because if Jesus had to pray twice, where does that leave me? So again is a crucial word in this verse because it tells us that it's a process. Again. He put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was, everybody say it with me, restored. He was restored and saw everyone clearly. Lord, thank you for your word today. Help us to get a vision, a glimpse, an understanding of the reality of restoration. We are all people in process. We are all people in ongoing change, ongoing transformation. God, help us to embrace restoration, the process of restoration, sometimes the pain of restoration, and help us to come out on the other side seeing clearly in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, you're being restored. This is a powerful story. I love this story. Next week, I'm going to preach on Elisha again. When everybody's back, as I've said, and I'm going to preach on glory from ditches. Glory from ditches. So don't miss it. It's a great story. You've probably never heard it preached. I've never heard it preached on. but I'm just getting everything I can out of Elisha and Elijah and there is a story on glory from ditches. So if you're in a ditch, be here next Sunday. If you're not, be here anyway because one day you will be and you're going to need to see the glory in it. All right. Jesus came to Bethsaida. Jesus couldn't go anywhere without people bringing the needy to him. Now, in this first verse, I see something. I see a picture of how all restoration begins. It begins by somebody praying. Now, notice, we don't know their names. We don't know who they were. But this blind man had some friends. Now, it might have been neighbors. might have been just acquaintances. But notice, church, somebody's heart went out to this man. Somebody's heart cared for this man. And we live in a very calloused age We live in a very heart-numbed age, heart-numbed era. And you know, all miracles, in my opinion, generally begin with somebody praying because they cared. You know, God has never led me anywhere into anything that he didn't first touch my heart. God is a God of the heart. You know, I believe God's looking for more than he's looking for minds, even though he is looking for minds. He's looking for hearts. Hearts that he can touch, with what he cares about. Many of the miracles that Jesus performed, you'll find if you read your Bible closely, it'll say this, preceding the miracle, he was moved with compassion. The heart of Jesus was touched for the pains and the hurts of people. And I believe as you walk with God, what God will do is he will, he will deal with you over the months and over the years and he will deal with your heart, and he will take you through good breakings, breakings where the outer core, that old uh, tough flesh and worldly thinking will be broken, broken off of us. And one thing that he does is he learns, he gets us to the place where we learn to allow our hearts to be broken over somebody other than just us. This miracle began with somebody caring When was the last time you experienced the feeling of your heart going out to somebody who was really hurting? I mean, you hurt. You wept with them. It says, weep with those that weep. Rejoice with those that rejoice. How long since you wept with somebody weeping? i got to tell you, this week when I looked on the news and I saw over 150 children murdered, now I'm going to go ahead and say it, folks, because the the news won't tell us the truth. They candy coat everything, because they're so terrified. Can I just be real blunt? They are so terrified, they'll say something that'll help President Bush get reelected. that they got to candy coat the truth about something like what's happening in Russia. Folks, those were not Chechenian rebels. Those were Islamic terrorists. And see, we don't want to say that because, oh no, if we call them Islamic terrorists, financed, we now know, by Al-Qaeda, if we say that, then oh no, more Americans might vote for the man who said he protects us from them and has protected us from them. But you know, hey, God is in control of the election. I'm not sweating over the election. I'm not worried about it, but I do think we ought to tell the truth. <clears throat> Those were Al-Qaeda financed islamic extremist terrorists that's why one of the women who were dragged out of there who who made her way out of there somehow and fell into the arms of an officer one of the Russian soldiers said three words that sent chills up and down my spine and let me know we need to pray for America we need to pray that God brings an end to this insidious terrorism here's what she said they're not human They're not human. Nobody, human, can mow down children with guns as they're running away from you in terror, especially women. What you're dealing with there, I'm going to go ahead and say it, is demonic possession of the first order, because demons take away your humanity, take away your heart, take away who you are as a human being, and make you like a cold robot. And Satan came only to kill, steal, and destroy, and that's what you see going on. Anytime you see that, you can know that behind that scenario, there is a spiritual force called the devil. Now, having said that, my heart broke when I watched those parents who were told that their children would never come home again. I wept as I watched those news stories. You know, the more you walk in sin, the harder your heart is. The more you walk with God, the softer it becomes. These men, somebody in here, looked at this blind man, saw him groping around, realized he could not have much quality of life, especially there in the first century. And their hearts went out to him. The beginning of a miracle was their hearts going out to him. His blindness became their blindness. His pain became their pain. That's why when they got him to Jesus, they didn't just say, hey, when you have some time, can you think about touching him? It says they begged him. That tells me they were hurting with him, feeling his pain, really feeling it. So folks, I'm telling you, God's looking for a heart. Listen. When you really do love somebody, you pray for somebody out of a true concern in your heart, it puts grease on that prayer. He was moved with compassion and healed their sick. He was moved with compassion and cast the devils out. He was moved with compassion. At Lazarus' grave, Jesus wept. He was moved with compassion. And that, that was the force behind the miracles of Jesus. And when you and I start walking in love, that will be the force behind our prayers. They begged him. Now, I saw something, such a picture of intercessory prayer there. They begged him, please touch our friend. Please touch our friend. This is no different than us going into the prayer closet and taking a name to Jesus and saying, please touch this person. Please do something in the life of this person. Please do it. And it says that the first thing Jesus did, and I see a pattern here in the way that we walk with God and what happens with you and me uh, when we receive miracles. The first thing he did, Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. Now, you know, folks, here's the beginning of restoration. I learned a long time ago that you can come to God in 911 situations when you're in a real emergency. And a lot of people, to them, God is is a flat tire God. I go to God when i got a flat. I go to God when I have a need. As soon as he meets the need, I'm on my own way. But you know what Jesus did? He saw that this man was gonna be restored through a process. The first thing he did was he gained his trust. You don't take somebody's hand and walk with them away from what is familiar to you, because he took him out of the town. He took him away from the noise, away from the chatter, to get him into a a scene, into a situation, into a place that was more conducive to a miracle. You know, I don't wanna step into next week's message, but Elisha, in the the, the miracle that we're gonna talk about next week, when he was approached to help three kings who were in trouble, he said, he was irritated with one of the kings and snapped at him, the king of Israel. And he said, you know what? If Jehoshaphat were not here, and I was only dealing with you, I wouldn't even look at you because you're still sinning the sins of your fathers. But because Jehoshaphat is here, all of you are going to be blessed because he's here. And then it says that Elisha called for a musician and asked him to play, and it says that as the musician played, Elisha's mind got calm. Even Elisha had to set his mind up and his heart up in a condition conducive to hearing God and seeing a miracle and this man was about to be restored his sight was about to be restored so what did Jesus do? He took him by the hand I can remember when I got saved man was he going to have to do some restoration in my life I mean, 16 years old in the juvenile home, in all kinds of trouble, all messed up never knew God, not raised in Christianity didn't know John 3.16 from John 16.3 and What did Jesus do? He didn't begin to restore me. The first thing He did was He carried me into relationship. He brought me into relationship with Him. He he took me by the hand and led me alone with Him. And it was in getting to know Him. It was in spending time with Him. It was in becoming acquainted with Him that it set me up and made my soul conducive to the miracle of restoration. This man, he could have right then and there, in the town, surrounded by people, laid his hands on him, but Jesus knew, i got to get this guy where he's walking with me. He's talking with me. I would give anything if I knew what they talked about from inside the town to the country where Jesus took him. But I guarantee you, they walked hand in hand, a few of the disciples of Jesus following, and he talked to this guy. I think he began to tell him about himself. I think they had... A deep spiritual talk who knows maybe he said to him maybe you don't understand it sir but I am the Messiah I am gonna die for your sins I am the Savior of the world I want you to know who you're walking with I think he said things that built his faith but they walked, and he took him out of the town away from the chatter you know sometimes folks you're doing yourself a huge favor to get out of town that is turn off that TV Turn off that radio, put down People magazine, put down anything that distracts you from it. get alone with God, open up your Bible, get calm, get settled, put on some praise music and listen. Yeah. Because this is what Jesus did. All the time in the Bible you will find people doing things, settling themselves, conditioning their minds and their hearts so, th- so that it was conducive for a miracle. You know, God couldn't touch some of us if he wanted to. We're going so fast, we don't know if we're coming or going. He's got to catch our cars, catch us in the car, catch us going here and there and everywhere. You know, there are people who go to every meeting that blows through town. I'm the first one to say, lay hands on me. If I'm sick, anoint me with enough oil to slide me into the next room. That's fine. But sometimes you can get meetinged out, and you just need to get alone with God. I was reading a book by John Eldridge. I think it was Wild at Heart, I was reading that book, and uh, I, I love John Eldridge. and he made a statement, and I had a real problem with it at first, and, I, and really, I'm, this is crazy for me, a preacher, to say this to you, but he said, you know, I went through a time of incredible inner pain, and God told me to get out of church for a while, and I went, oh, John, this is a Christian book. It says, forsaking not the assembly of yourselves together. He said, Now I want you to understand, I met with some believers in my house every week, and we prayed and, and, and fellowshipped, and then they'd go home, but I didn't go to official church for a while. Can you believe I'm telling you this? And he said, during that time God restored me. Sometimes you've got to get away from it all and just listen. So Jesus says, Come on, we're leaving the chatter, we're leaving the clatter, we're gonna get alone. And they walked. And he took his hand, and he gained his trust. And I believe he built his faith. Then when they were far enough out of town, listen, the need was obvious. Because while Jesus led him, he's this. And do you know what, folks? When he gets us, we're blind in so many areas. There are so many things we don't know about. We've got presumptuous sins we don't know about. Our personality is blind to certain things we don't know about. And all of us, when he takes our hand, listen, yes, we're saved. Once were blind, but now we see. We see that he's the answer. But there is so very much in your life he needs to restore. Areas in our lives where we're blind, we're insensitive in relationships, there's things that we think and say we're not aware of until he touches our blindness. And how are we ever going to do it? How are we ever going to come into that restoration unless we're walking with him? So this man, it's obvious the need. I'm blind, Jesus. You know why my friends brought me to you. You know why we're here. Jesus said, I know, but I want you to trust me. Now follow me. Now how many of you would agree that to, to be blind and to have your hand placed in the hand of a total stranger and have that stranger lead you away from everything you knew and all the people you were with would take some faith? Isn't it interesting that Jesus immediately had his trust? That was Jesus. He was magnetic. He was trustworthy. There was something about Jesus you just knew that you could deposit all your cares onto him. You knew you could trust him. You knew you could follow him even though you don't know where he's taking you. Sometimes faith, folks, is when you walk out not knowing where you're going to walk in. Abraham left Ur of the Chaldees He didn't know where God was taking him. He walked out not knowing exactly where he was going to walk in. But God said, that's faith. If you always knew where you were going, you don't need faith. I don't know about you, but I'm going some places I don't know exactly where God's taking me, and that takes faith. Come on, everybody. So they get there. Now, here goes Jesus. Jesus. Man, you never knew what he was going to do. Because here he's got this man, totally blind, and he takes him, he wheels him around. Ready? Here's the blind man. And Jesus spit in his eyes. Now, I read that, I gotta tell you, I got a problem with the spit issue. I said, Lord, there's a lot of things you could have done that wouldn't have been quite as shocking, because he was blind, he didn't know that it was coming. Can I just be a little animated here? He's sitting there, he's blind. All of a sudden, boom. And now, please, please, let your sanctified imagination go with me for a minute. Put yourself in the mind of a normal human. I've just been walking with you for a little while, and you're spitting on me? I said, Lord, why did you spit? Why couldn't you have just touched him and told him it was coming? I'm fixing to touch you, and I'm going to heal you. But no, all of a sudden, pooh why did you do that lord here's what hit me do you remember last week when we looked at naaman and how elisha said go dip in the jordan seven times and how the command of god offended him and he got angry and he said what do you mean go dip in the jordan said what are you talking about i came here to get healed what do you mean go dip in the jordan seven times like some fool what do you mean why go dip in the jordan seven times remember i told you that often the word of god will bring an offense that to get healed that often the road of obedience, when God tells you to do a certain thing, at first there is something within us that is offended at the word of God? And you've got to get past that offense and trust God? Because Naaman had to get past it. What do you mean? I'm the captain of the Syrian army. What do you mean go dip? Why, why not just walk into it, swim once and be healed? What did, why this dipping? Because, Naaman, you've got a pride issue. And you've got to empty yourself of all your pride before you can be healed fully, as fully as God really wants you to be healed. So he had to empty himself, and watch this, he had to get past the offense that the Word of God brought to him before he could be healed. Don't you think that when this blind man received spit in his eye, don't you know that there was a minute there, just a second there? where he was offended that this guy he'd been walking with spit on him? What, why did Jesus do that? Why spit on him? Because, listen, because he was activating faith. He was activating faith. Because this man had to move out of the natural And into this, I believe, that happened in his mind. You know what? I don't understand why he just spit on me, but I believe he is who they say he is and who he said he is, so I'm going to activate faith and say, though I don't understand your process, your method, your technique of healing me, come on, everybody. This is really real now. Even though I don't understand your method, even I don't understand your technique, I don't understand why you just spit on me, I believe and therefore I trust. And it activated faith. I got to think about how many times Jesus came up to somebody and they had to do the same thing. The man with the withered hand. Don't you know that withered hand, he was always walking around with it covered up? Don't you know that when he went to say hello to somebody, he hid it? Don't you know that it was a source of Embarrassment to him, the man with the withered hand. And Jesus gets gets him into a crowded room. Now, if I'd been him, I would have said, Jesus, when you're done, get with me in a corner, and let's just talk about this withered hand with nobody looking, because I really do not want the whole place to know about my problem. But what did Jesus do? He gets him in front of a whole room full of people, packed, where they were coming in through the ceiling. And he said, stretch out your problem. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm the man with the withered hand, I'm saying, shh, shh. No, no, we'll do this in a corner. We'll take care of this in the shadows. I don't want the whole room to see my problem. Don't you know there was a minute there where he said to himself, why are you requiring me? That's like spitting in my eye. That's like telling me to go dip in the Jordan seven times. Mary, he says, roll away the stone. Lord, you don't understand, by now it stinketh. By now my brother stinketh. By now my perplexity, my problem stinketh. But Jesus said, if I'm going to get to the problem, you're going to have to roll away the stone from it, though the whole world is watching. See, folks, there is always an offense with what God tells us to do to get healed. Come on, when, when, when you had to get saved, when it came time for you to be saved, you might have been in a church where the preacher said, I want you to come down here. Well, why can't I just do it right here in the chair? Billy Graham says it every single time. He says, now people ask me all the time, why do I ask you to come forward, out of your chair, out of the stadium, out of the shadows, and come down here in front of God and everybody and make your commitment to Christ? Why do I do it? He says, because everybody Jesus ever called, he called them publicly. Why? Because there is a point there, folks, in most anything that the Lord tells us to do, that that in obedience there is an offense with the word of the Lord. And you've got to humble yourself and get past it. So here he is. All right, I'm about to see. Poop! And he gets spit on in the eyes. There was a moment of decision there. Do I stand here and take this? Do I walk away or do I believe him? The Lord is saying to some of you, if you want to be healed, you're going to have to go to somebody and say, would you forgive me? Would you forgive me? And you say, well, I don't want to have to do that. Why can't I just just pray with you about it, Lord, and get over it? The Lord says, I want you to go to them and tell them you're sorry. Lord, why do I have to do that? Why can't I just tell you that I'm sorry? Why go to them? Because, folks, it takes faith, and it takes a moment of getting past an offense at the word of the Lord to be healed. So here's this man, he spits in his eyes. And then he said, I believe, I trust him. I put my faith in him, I'm going to believe him. And then Jesus touched him. Now watch this, it's a process. Because he pulled his hands away and then he said, tell me what you see, tell me what you see. He opened his eyes. Now light was getting in, the pupils were contracting like they should. For the first time his eyes were registering light, And he could see forms walking now folks there wasn't anything wrong or outside of the arena of faith for him to tell the truth about what he saw and what he didn't see he said wow i see men but they look like trees walking you know lord i was really down i was really depressed Every once in a while now, there's a skip in my step. Not like there used to be, but there is every once in a while, trees walking. Well, Lord, we're not fighting all the time. We used to fight all the time. Now, every once in a while, we're fighting, but we're still fighting some, trees walking. Well, Lord, I used to hate my job, but I've worked through this thing with you, and now I can walk in that door and still have the joy of the Lord, and get with, get with you in the morning and feel some inner strength. But there are st- still times, Lord, where I hate it, hate my boss, can't stand where I am, but it's better than it used to be, trees walking. There's not anything wrong with going, listen folks, God doesn't take you from A to Z, He takes you through the alphabet a lot of time. And you just got to know, this is a process called restoration. Jesus Himself touched this blind man, but the first time, He just saw men like trees walking. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Did Jesus stop there? No. Did the man stop there? That's why it says ask and keep on asking, knock and keep on knocking, seek and keep on seeking, because persistence, perseverance will often take you through the whole process of restoration when nothing else will. Because folks, sometimes it's not a miracle, it's not a healing, it's a restoration, and you've got to be patient and say, Lord, touch me again, touch me again touch me again. Here I go into the Word again. Here I go claiming the promises again. Here I go to church again. Here I go into the prayer closet again. Here I come, Lord, asking again. I'm not going to apologize that I'm asking again because I realize that I'm not where I need to be, but I'm not where I used to be. I at least see men like trees walking. And that's that's cause for praise. So I love the fact that it says Jesus touched him again. I was thinking of the prophet Elisha, we've been looking at him for weeks now, remember when that little boy was dead, lying on on Elisha's own bed. First he sent his staff to be laid on his face, and his servant laid the staff on his face, but the boy didn't move. Then Elisha came on the scene himself, walked into the room, stretched himself out across that boy's body nose to nose, eyes to eyes, body to body. And it says his body warmed, but he did not come back to life. Did God stop there? Did the mother stop there? Did they stop believing there? No. Elisha went downstairs, walked around, prayed himself up again, went back up there, stretched himself out on the boy. The Bible says again. And when he stretched himself out again, he breathed life into him. And finally, the boy was resurrected to life and given back to his mother. But how did it happen? Was it an instant miracle, instant healing? No, it was a process of restoration where there had to be an again, and an again, and an again. Folks, I'm telling you, some of you, you're up against an again, and you need to pray again, believe again, lay hold of the promises again. Matter of fact, I think we ought to shout again. Come on, do it again. Because it's going to take again and again and again. But one day, one day, the eye is going to be clear. One day, the spirit is going to be broken. One day, you're going to have a breakthrough. One day, the fullness of it will be there. But right now, you're in the world of again. And God doesn't mind again. Jesus was God. But even God again touched him. Not only did that man have to believe initially and trust him that even though the method seemed weird, if Jesus did it, I'm going to put my faith in him. But then the man had to stay, stay there and stand there for again and again and again and again. But you know, there comes a time if you keep on praying. That whatever demon it is you're up against he finally says, you know what, I'm sick of again I'm sick of them holding on again I'm sick of them praying again I can't bind them anymore they keep on coming, they keep on praying they keep on asking, they're not going to give up so I quit he is afraid of a church that believes in again well pastor, how many again is it going to take? I've had about a thousand of them well try a thousand and one now, let me say this one thing. You're not going to find a cactus in the middle of the ocean. Sometimes you're againning over something you need to say, you know what, I miss God. Because this isn't going to, you know, sometimes you've got to go to Him and say, Lord, what's the wisdom of God here? Because I've again and again and again and again, and there's no change at all. You might hear God saying, you know what, that's not something I really told you to go for. Have you ever come up again? Paul did this. Paul wanted to go preach. And it says two times in the book of Acts, they started to go here and started to go there. And both times the Spirit stopped them and said, finally, I want you to go into Macedonia. That's where I want you to go. They'd miss God on there again. Sometimes if you knock and knock and knock and nothing ever changes, it doesn't hurt to go and say, Lord, all right, now what? Have I missed you? And you know what? God has a funny way of letting you know if you've missed him. Yeah, you've missed me. Well, then where do I go? And that's when God guides you and shows you what's going to produce for you. Now, that's free. Like, if you're not supposed to work in a certain place, you can again a thousand times bang on that door, make a nuisance of yourself, stand there for a year. But it could be you've missed God. Maybe He wants you over there, and that's why it's shut. And that's when you need wisdom. If any man lacks wisdom, how many of you lack it? Let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and upbraideth them not. God will guide you. But if it's something he's told you to go for, oftentimes it's a process of restoration. And Elisha the prophet fully understood this. And Jesus understood it. Now let me ask you a question today. What is God asking you to believe for? Are you having to say again and again and again? In my life, uh, I had a real tendency towards canker sores. My dad had them. I got them. My kids got them. You know those little sores that get in your mouth? You don't know why. But nothing hurts more per square millimeter than a canker sore. I used to get them where I'd stand up to preach. And I'd go, it was like that because my tongue had one. And I said, God, what do I do about this? I can't preach. This is hindering my life. And I would try this. And then again I had to try that. And then again I had to try that. And there was a lot of agains. And one day God just spoke to me. Now, do you want me to tell you what he told me? How many anybody in here get canker sores? All right, I'm gonna turn you on to the cure. You ready? Bacon soda toothpaste. Because it's acid. And you're having acid, and it's burning your tongue and your inner jaw, and it it bursts those sores. If you do baking soda toothpaste, for me, it totally, totally negated it, and I haven't had one in years. But it took again and again and again, and finally God's Word came to me, and man, all the agains were worth it. Now isn't that a practical illustration? tell you guys everything. sometimes you just have to persevere you have to persevere and so Jesus again touched this man and how many can say it was worth it when this time he opened his eyes oh it was worth believing on him when I didn't understand his technique it was worth standing here for again it was worth being brought to him in the first place it was worth trusting him have you can you show me anybody who ever put their trust in Jesus who could look you in the eye and say I regretted that never And they trusted and trusted. And finally, don't you know this man said it was all, the whole process of restoration was worth it because now I see with 2020, I'm healed. Jesus said, don't go tell anybody in the town what I've done. He went and blabbed it to everybody. One thing you can't keep quiet is somebody who's received a miracle, if it took time or if it was instant. You can't shut them up. That's what you need, a bunch of people, who have gone through the process of restoration who can't keep it in, because they say he's real. I took him by the hand, I trusted him, I walked with him, I got to know him. He began to deal with me. It wasn't always easy. I didn't always understand his technique. I didn't always understand his method. But I can tell you that when I stayed with him through it all, I came out on the other side restored. Restored. Amen. Give the Lord a hand today, can you? Amen. Well, let's stand together, and we're just going to stretch for a minute. And I'm going to have a brief talk with you, and then we're going to go. Amen. Let's just thank the Lord for the process of restoration. Thank you, Jesus, for restoration. Thank you, Lord, that it's a process. We've got to believe God. We've got to walk with you and trust you throughout the whole process. We thank you, Lord. How many of you can say with your heads bowed, Pastor, I'm believing God for a restoration, but honestly... I see men like trees walking, it's not complete, but at least I see men like trees walking. Let me see your hands, can I? Many of you, I'd say half of you. All right, I'm gonna speak a word to you. You stay with him, don't walk away. Don't be offended at his techniques. Don't be offended at anything he tells you to do. Because if you'll stay with him, though you see men like trees walking now, the day will come when you see them clearly And God will make his way clear. And God will see it through to the end. And that's the word of the Lord to you. Amen? All right. Praise God. Give him a hand.